Hello everyone and welcome back to FaZe. Today is episode 29 and I'm here with Shay. Hello. So I was on Shay's podcast earlier this week. It'll be um, released in like a few weeks or so. Yeah. We talked about 9 to 5 jobs. So if you want to go ahead and listen to that, her podcast name is Mind, Main Character Energy. Mm-hmm. I wanted to think Mindset because it's all <laughs> kind of what it's about. But Main Character Energy, it's on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor, and other platforms yeah we're all over the place now um but it's easier just to find it through the anchor yeah and actual website yeah just click on it from there and you have an instagram i do at main character underscore energy right so it's at main character energy underscore official okay yeah okay i knew something like that (laughs) all right so today what we're going to talk about is mental health literally talking about talking about mental health if you can follow that, that's great Good for you. <laughs> it's a little um, repetitive, but is exactly what we're going to do. Yeah. So, um, you know, so, so this whole, like, revolution of talking about mental health, I think, started about six, eight years ago, as far as I can remember. I would agree with that. And I was, like, th- I was, like, thinking back, and I was, like, okay, when was the first time that I really ever heard someone talking about um mental health, like anxiety, depression wise. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, you know, in my last few years of high school, I started hearing about anxiety and like depression and things that other people were struggling with, like, mm-hmm. in, like in their late teens or teens. So um, I personally didn't understand it until I was a sophomore in college. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started experiencing anxiety and probably a slight depression, but I didn't really know what it was. I thought I was just stressed, which probably was, but um It was more than that. It was, like, the crying and not knowing why I was crying and, like, getting really sad, but I didn't know why I was really sad and, like, so on. But this is hard for me me because I don't like sharing personal stuff, like, as Shay has figured out this week. Um, It just gets me very uncomfortable. So because of that, it was hard for me to kind of cope and find an outlet through um, different things. But I found exercise, and it really helped me kind of, like, get over that. I would say it was a bit of a phase for me because it didn't last very long. Yeah. I was, like, really sad for a while, but um, it improved. And But, like, as I said in your – you said this in your episode last week. Like, if I was talking to people, like, I was sad or crying, they're like, just take a deep breath and relax. Yeah, and I was like, that. that is the worst thing when the you worst. said the when worst. you said that in your episode. I was like, I could not agree with that <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah – sure take a deep breath and relax that stops the crying but it doesn't cause like it doesn't help solve the root of the issue like it doesn't solve the problem like I'm not going to be magically healed because you told me to take a deep breath yeah no (laughs) so um may solve like the hyperventilating but you know not much else so Mm -hmm. um that got a little bit off track so that'll be our intro I'm gonna go ahead and do our sponsor from Inc. Okay, so tell us a little bit about what your podcast is and why you started it. Yeah, so Main Character Energy is all about, you know, playing an active role in your life and making sure that life isn't just, like, happening to you. I, especially with, like, people in their early 20s, I feel like because it's kind of just such a shit show of a time Mm -hmm. that we all kind of sit back and we're like, okay, life is just going to kind of happen and I'm just going to let it happen. That's just such a sad way to live. And when you live like that, you feel so disconnected from not only your own life, like your own life, but the people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is owning your shit yeah. and being able to be like, yeah, I fucked up or I am fucked up. Like you have to be able to talk about that stuff. Um, and it's such a freeing experience. And a couple of years ago, um, when I was, God, how old was I? I would have been probably 21 or 22. Um, I really started to open up more with like my family and my friends about mental health and I realized how freeing of an experience it was and how much lighter I felt once I like once I was able to kind of talk to people about those things. Um, and most of the responses I got were like really positive. It's always nerve wracking when you start to open up to people because you're afraid that they might look at you differently or maybe they don't agree with like, you know, like, I will say my father, I was so terrified. He was the one person that I was absolutely terrified to tell because I grew up in a household where it was like, anxiety, depression, like ADHD, nah, you just need a swift kick in the ass. Like that was my dad. He was, he didn't like totally believe in it, which was really hard for me because I grew up hearing that stuff with a mom who's bipolar 
So like I'm yeah. sitting here and I'm like, inevitably I'm going to end up like her. It is in my genetics. It's in my DNA. Even if I don't have, like if I'm not bipolar, mm-hmm. I'm going to have something in that realm. And I kind of always knew that. Um, so it was just terrifying when it finally got to the point where I was like, yeah, I'm kind of fucked up and yeah. I have to be able to now talk to my parents about it because like they have to know what's going on. So I remember having a fucking breakdown at work one day, like just full absolute breakdown. And I went home and I cried to my dad and I was like, I have to be honest with you. Like, I'm not okay. I'm not in the driver's seat anymore. Like I'm not running my own life. Like I, I've lost control and I went back to therapy and I went back on meds, which was a whole other fucking story. I'm not a big fan of meds because in my head, they just create 10 other fucking mm-hmm. problems while they're trying to fix one. So it's just been a very long journey of me trying to, one, grapple with the concept of me having these little, I don't want to say disformities, but like imbalances almost in my head. Like that's mm-hmm. hard to deal with. Your body is constantly fighting against you. You wake up every day and you have this battle against your own brain mm-hmm. and your own mental. And that's like, exhausting yeah um so I spent a lot of time trying to grapple with that and then also learn about the appropriate ways to have those conversations with people because I realized how you know important it was and then when COVID hit and everyone was going through serious trauma like this past year for anyone I don't care who you are what happened we all went through some shit in 2020 And there were so many people that didn't have roommates or didn't get to see their family or, you know, were almost completely isolated. And that's like really, really terrible to have to go through stuff like that and feel alone while also literally being alone. Yeah. Worst case scenario. Recipe for disaster. So that period in time, I like during COVID and during like the really serious quarantine, I am immunocompromised and I have anxiety. So not only was I afraid to leave the house because I thought I was going to get sick, but my anxiety was like, no, no, no. If you leave the house, you're going to die. You're not just going to get sick. You're going to die. Yeah. So I, from probably March until mid-April, did not leave my house once. Wow. Oh, uh, yeah. You want to talk about going insane? You yeah. saw my house the other day. It's not a big house. Yeah. It's little. It's like I was stuck in a box for like a very long time. So that started to drive me insane and... It just was like such a hard time. And the more I started to open up about it to people, the more I realized I was not the only person having that experience. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I got to know that is because I opened up Up and then people opened up in response. And then I realized that there's really just such a need for us to have a Mm -hmm. platform that is strictly about talking about the shitty stuff. Yeah. Because we've all used Instagram and TikTok for the last, you know, however many years and it's always been about the good stuff mm-hmm. and your highlight reel and all the amazing things you did during your year and all that stuff and I'm like that's great but what about all the shitty stuff in between yeah. like can we talk about that because that's that's what makes a person that's what builds character it's not mm-hmm. all the good stuff it's the shitty yeah. stuff um so that's why I wanted to start the podcast and then my amazing awesome college best friend Taylor has always been so unbelievably supportive of me. Um, and when I was going through all my shit this past year, she was going through her own shit. We really relied on each other and leaned on each other. And then um, we both were like, should we do this? We should do this. Let's do this. Why not? Right? Why not? I'm like, worst case scenario, people listen and they don't like it. And if you don't like it, that's fine. It's not your cup of tea. I don't need it to be everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. But someone will listen to this mm-hmm. and they'll hear something that resonates with them or they'll feel a little less alone. Like that's all I'm trying to do here. Mm-hmm. I'm not, it doesn't need to be a big, huge thing. I'm just trying to make people realize that like we all have bad days yeah. and it's okay to have those bad days. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just launched our first episode last Monday and uh, I was so nervous. I was like, oh my God, but if no one listens, um, like what's going to happen? You had a really good like first like episode and thanks. like a good like audience turnout too. So yeah, awesome. thanks. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I was pleasantly surprised at how many people listened, but I think that's just more to the point of like how much this is needed. Yeah. Like so many people when probably if I'm gonna be honest so many people probably listen to it thinking like what the fuck is this bitch doing now like probably almost from like a judgy perspective of like hmm let's see what she's doing and then listen to it and they're like oh shit yeah like I kind of needed to hear that I'm like that's all I'm trying to do yeah so um the first thing I wanted you just touched on a whole bunch of things (laughs) and I have so many ideas in my head right now so basically you went over like every question I was gonna ask you so we're gonna go into more depth about those but um 
The second thing was everything, everyone has an audience. Like mm-hmm. everything has an audience. Like yeah. there is an audience out there is it's just, you have to get it to the right people mm-hmm. and just figuring out how to do that is kind of difficult, but mm-hmm. you'll get there. Um, the other thing is, just like why I wanted to do my podcast it's not just like you know making people feel like they're not alone in certain certain situations it's like teaching the people who haven't gone through it Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. the the ins and outs of it so if they know someone in their life that's struggling with like that certain situation then like they kind of have an insight and you know someone's answered the hard questions for them they have a resource and they can kind of take steps from there. And also, like, we're very, like, okay, ask us questions. Like, we're ready to go. They have someone to reach out to, like, anonymously. Yes, that that's is what the I, word. That's the word. There we go. And, um, like, you know, stranger. Sometimes strangers are more likely to talk to other strangers rather mm-hmm. than someone else they know because they don't care. Mm-hmm. So it's just that having that type of platform and, like, being able to have people know that, someone's answering these questions for them but like you said getting the the correct audience can be kind of difficult sometimes but that just comes with time and you know promotion and word of mouth so it'll get out there but so um the first question i want to ask you you kind of gave me a summary okay but (laughs) when did you when was the first time in your mind that you think you heard about mental health like the term mental health and like what did you think it was okay so I feel like I probably it was probably in high school around like the time that you were kind of talking about it was probably like you know early maybe mid high school like sophomore year ish um and I was really introduced to it via which is kind of interesting the pageant circuit Oh. Um, because in pageants, or at least for the Miss America system, you are required to have a platform. So I was younger than a lot of the girls that were competing. They were all a lot older than me. They were more like, you know, early 20s. Um, and they had been experiencing their own struggles with mental health. So there were a couple girls with platforms that were specifically around mental okay. health. Okay, okay, cool. So that was my first real introduction to it. And again, kind of like you at the time, I didn't totally understand it because it had never been taught in an educational setting. Like I remember the cheesy videos in middle school of like, if you feel like you're going to cut yourself, talk to someone. And like, I'm sorry, what a way to introduce that to kids. Yeah. Like at no point in my childhood was I like attracted to the idea of that. So if that's the first thing I hear about mental health, I'm immediately going, well, that doesn't concern me because that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are so many other aspects of mental health that affect literally every single one of us. They just decided to pick like the most specific one to introduce us to it, which is unfortunate. Bad Um, approach, bad approach. Yeah, terrible approach. Like, come on, education system, let's get it together. So I was introduced to it in high school, listening to the girls talk about their platforms with mental health and the work that they did with like certain mental health organizations. And that's when I really started to like open my eyes up to it and be like, okay, this is like a big thing and it should be important to everyone. Um, So that was probably when I first really started to like pay attention to mental health and Mm -hmm. what it was was back in probably sophomore year of high school. Okay. And you just thought it was like something that people struggle with, but you couldn't relate to? Yeah, I just kind of, it was just one of those things where I was like kind of intrigued by it. I've always been fascinated by the human brain. Like Mm -hmm. I've always been really, not necessarily like neuroscience brain, (laughs) but like psychology brain. Um, So I took, once I started to find out about like mental health and stuff a little more, I took AP Psych at Middletown my Mm -hmm. like junior, senior year, and I loved it. Oh my God, that was my favorite class in high school. I loved it. And then I actually ended up getting a minor at Salisbury for psychology. Um, and once I started learning more about that, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like I, this really does affect me. But when I first heard about it, cause if you don't know anything about something, how are you supposed to feel connected to it? Or exactly. To it? Exactly. And so I had literally no clue. I had no idea. I'd never, like I was never given those tools to learn about it, mm-hmm. which is a problem in and of itself. So I found those tools of my own. And the more I started to learn and uncover, the more I learned and uncovered about myself. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah, so I have problems. Okay, so <laughs> that kind of good intro into my second question was, 
Can you describe like the very first time that you realized you were struggling with a mental health like aspect or like yeah. your experience in the very, very beginning? I know you said you had a breakdown. That's when you told your family, but yeah. obviously there was, it started way oh, before yeah. that. It started way before that. So I actually, when I was a senior in high school, I, oh, such a shitty time. It was the second football game of the season, senior year. I had just been announced captain. And we were at a game, it was like an away game, it was like 45 minutes away, like really far away game. And I was doing a stunt, because I was a flyer, so I was the girl that they threw up in the air, and um, I tore my ACL. Oh god. Missed a stunt, and I fell out of it because my fucking knee was no longer connected to the rest of my fucking leg. Yeah. So I was like, oh, something's, am I allowed to curse on here? I have been like (laughs) dropping F-bombs left and right, I should have asked first, okay. So I knew something was wrong with my knee. So I like fell out of the stunt. Everyone was mad at me. And I was like, you don't understand. And I was so calm about it, which was the problem, I think. Because I yeah. came out of the stunt and everyone was like, get back up. What the hell are you doing? And I was like, guys, my knee is broken. I can't. Like, that is literally how I said it. I was like, get me to the side. My leg is broken. And <laughs> you're like, like yelling at them. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, it's not. Like, you're fine. Get back. I was like, you don't understand. So I literally got my house up. I hopped over to the side. I looked at my coach and I said, someone needs to get the personal trainer. My knee is not well. So your coach came over? Yeah, so my coach came over, and she was, like, pissed at me, too. She was like, what, what's going on? What's good? You're a captain. You can't be falling, like, bailing out of stunts. And I was like, yeah, you need to get the personal trainer for the other team because it was an away game, so I was yeah. like, I don't know who's here. It's like, you need to get someone to come over and look at my life. Like, something is really wrong with it. So, anyway, this guy comes over. They're like, oh, yeah, you probably pulled something. Because, like, if you tore your ACL or if you tore something, like, you would be in tears right now. I was like, okay, cool. I'm not crying, so I'm not hurt. Well, that's not how that works. Thank you, doctor. Yeah. So, I went to go get an MRI anyway because something just felt super off. So, I got an MRI. Turns out I tore both my ACL and my meniscus. Hell no. Yeah, right? Uh Uh-huh. So, fun fact, wasn't crying because I actually had nerve damage from the original injury. So I couldn't feel it. I could feel that it was disconnected, but I couldn't feel the pain of it because my nerves were fucking fried, literally. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why we had no real idea that it, that's why we had no real idea that like something was really wrong. Mm-hmm. So um, wasn't until the MRI that we saw what happened, but I got the call. I was trying on homecoming dresses because I just found out I was on homecoming court. I wasn't planning on going yeah. until I found out I was on court. And I was like, well, I feel like I fucking have to now. So, um, I was trying on dresses and I got a call from my uh, surgeon and he was like, Hey, we got your results back and you actually are not ever going to be able to chair again. And we're going to need to do surgery in the next like month. So homecoming, like almost immediately after homecoming, I went and had surgery on my leg. Um, and I had further nerve damage from that because I, they put a nerve block in my left butt cheek. Um, which is essentially just to make your leg numb. It's like an epidural, but for one leg, not your whole body. Um, so, or your lower body, I guess we'll say. So I rolled over while they were doing that. And I rolled over on my left ass cheek as they were injecting it. So I have permanent nerve damage now on half of my left leg. So from like about here, like a little above my knee, all the way down to my ankle on this side of my leg, I can't feel anything. So how do you get, how do you roll over in the middle of surgery? Yeah. So I also, fun fact about me, um, I do not take well to anesthesia. Okay. Um, or like anything of the like sort. So they had put me in what we'll call like twilight, which essentially was supposed to just make me be kind of out of it, not completely under because they didn't want to put me under until the surgery started. Um, so this twilight didn't do shit to me. I felt literally like I could feel everything. So I felt them put this huge ass needle in my butt cheek. And I literally rolled over and said, what the fuck? Because I was like, why do I feel that? What are you doing to me? Why are you doing this? Um, So I rolled over. It ended up fucking up my leg. So whatever it happened. Um, And then that was even the worst part. It was the aftermath of all of it. Because no one talks about the mental side of an injury. Um, And I would love to say a sports related injury, but... I was a cheerleader, so we'll just say an injury. Um, so I just had such... That's a debatable topic. I think it's a sport. I mean, I could never fly up in the air. Yeah, so, like, we could go back and forth on if it's a sport or if it's not a sport. <laughs> but I'll just, you know, for the sake of it, we'll just call it an injury. Um, so I just was having such a hard time, one, grappling with the idea that this sport 
this activity, this thing that I had been doing for 15 years, I was never going to be able to do again. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously I could have gone back to cheering. It wouldn't have ended it completely, but I was never really going to be able to tumble again. I was never really going to be able to have full mobility in my left leg to be able to stunt how I was before. And it was my senior year of high school. So that was kind of it for me. It wasn't like I was going to go to college and cheer. I mean, I could have, but not after an injury like that. So I had to get like, okay with the idea of literally never cheering again after having been a cheerleader for most of my life or my entire life for that matter at that mm-hmm. point. Um, so that was really hard. And then that's when my anxiety really started to come out because I was terrified to go. I refused to go back to school until I could walk without crutches because I didn't want to have to rely on people to open doors for me. I wasn't comfortable going to the bathroom on my own. Like it was just like a lot to get used to. Yeah. And you don't realize how much you can't do when you have a leg that's out of service. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like you really take your legs and your limbs and stuff for granted. And then all of a sudden you can't use them anymore. Like you normally do. And your whole world just crumbles. I know. So That was really hard for me. I missed a hundred days of senior year. I technically should not have been allowed to graduate, but because I, and this is just my assumption, I'm pretty sure they didn't give a shit because they were afraid I was going to try and sue the school because it was like during school time, it was during school hours technically because it was a football game. So yeah, I, I don't know, but they were like way more understanding than I expected them to be because I was missing so much school. 100 days there's 180 days so that's yeah. more than half of your senior year you miss oh my yeah. gosh so you did you do all your work at home or like yeah so I did most of my work from home I did distance learning way before it was cool <laughs> um I had friends that would come stop by like regularly and like bring school stuff home for me like Annie was really great she brought me a lot of stuff um so yeah I had some really supportive friends that were awesome but I just felt so uncomfortable going back to school after that I don't know it was just like my anxiety was more crippling than the injury itself was the injury didn't really stop me from doing anything my brain did um and then when I was going in so part of physical therapy at least for me and I don't know if this is what they do for everyone but part of the therapy for it they also like ask you a lot about how you're feeling and where your head's at with all of it um, and I guess I had made a couple concerning remarks because I tend to be pretty cynical. I'm like kind of dark. So like, I have no problem joking about <laughs> fucked up things, but you know, there's a time and place and I'm not great with figuring those out. So I had made a couple maybe inappropriate jokes, um, about where my head was at with all of it. And they recommended to me and my parents that I see a psychiatrist. So I went just because it was what my doctor was telling me to do. And my psychiatrist was like, yeah, you're suffering from anxiety. Like you have severe anxiety and you have depression. We'd like to put you on medication for it and get you on a plan. I'm 17 years old and I just had my life ripped for me because of this injury. And now you're telling me on top of this, I have these diagnoses that I have to worry about. Like that was a lot to handle all at once. So I literally never went back to a doctor after that. Like I didn't go back to another appointment for them. I didn't do anything. I tried the meds for like three months and was, I hated them. I hated who it made me like become, like I felt like a different person. So I stopped taking the meds when I went to college. I woke up three days before I left for Salisbury. I went and dyed my hair brown and literally like my whole mindset was like, you are a different person going to this school. Like you are going to start over and like how naive of me because half of middle time <laughs> is fucking yes. Salisbury. <laughs> that is very true. Like I was for sure like, oh, I'm a new bitch. I got it. I'm going to make new friends. <laughs> no one's going to know about what's going on in my life. And then I get there and like our entire graduating class is like in my dorm. And I'm like, yeah, this is going well. Um, so essentially all I did was dye my hair, but I did for most of college hide mm-hmm. my mental health struggles. And it wasn't until I graduated Salisbury that I finally was like, yeah, I got to get right with this. Like, I got to figure this out. I got to get right with myself before I can, like, even attempt to have quality relationships with anyone else. Because, like, I hate myself. And if I hate myself, why would you like me? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it was just a lot. So it started senior year with the injury. And then it wasn't until I graduated college that I really started to take it seriously. Like, I needed to mm-hmm. originally. So... You were, you were talking about meds and I was, I was, that's actually one of my questions on here. So yeah, your opinion on like meds, I am my so I'll say mine and you can like kind of go into yours, but I, for me, 
I know I have anxiety, never been diagnosed or anything. I just can cope with it myself. I figured that out. Um, I don't think I'm a candidate for meds, nor do what I think that's good. I've never taken like any type of, you know, pills like that, including like birth control, because I'm worried about my hormones and how mm-hmm. they would be affected. So I'm like, why would I ever take a like pill for my mental health if I won't even take like birth yeah. control? So like, because I'm worried about how it's going to mess my brain. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to take the life out of me. I don't want my, you know, things to get worse because I feel like I've heard so many negatives about it rather than positives. Mm-hmm. And I have people close to my life, like, who I've, a lot of people struggle with anxiety. A yeah. lot of people do. Yeah. And, you know, the severity from each person kind of um, fluctuates. So I have people in my life who have, like, more anxiety than me. And, you know, some people take it. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, I would never, ever do that. Like, that's my last, absolute last resort. So, it's very interesting, like, to hear that you were on them and you hated them. Are you still, like, I don't know if you want to answer this or not, but are you still, like, on, you know, like, um, meds for your mental health? or? Yeah, so, um, I took meds for that brief period right before I went to college, stopped taking them, didn't take any at all during college, which was probably not my best idea. Um, but I feel similarly to you, like, for me, big pharma is just like such a crock of shit. I trust nothing that they say because at the end of the day, it's a business. Mm-hmm. We all like to think that they're, you know, trying to take care of us. And like, I apologize to anyone listening to this. That's like super big in the medicine and fully like, yeah, I think it's necessary for some people. I just don't think that it needs to be pushed on everyone like it is. It's almost like an assumption that like, that's just what you should do in yeah. those situations. And that's not true. Yeah. There are so many other ways to live with anxiety, depression, OCD, ADHD, all that fun stuff without having to be reliant on a pill. But I know that there are a lot of people that do see such a need for that and they do feel the benefits of being on medication. Um, So I'm never going to be one of those people that judges someone for taking meds. Not at all. It's just not my preferred, you know, method, I guess we'll say. So I, um, when... I started to recommit to my mental health after college. I went back, saw a different psychiatrist. I wanted to get a different opinion, see what was going on, met with a different therapist. And they additionally diagnosed me with OCD, which makes total sense. (laughs) Um, Originally, when they hit me with that diagnosis, I was like, well, I don't flick on and off lights like 17 times. My psychiatrist was like, okay, so that is one very specific form of OCD. Like you understand that that is not all that disease is, right? And I was like, you know what? I didn't know that. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know. And they were like, yeah, so you're just, so my OCD is routine driven. So I have a really, 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 really hard time deviating from a plan or a routine. It will literally send me into full freak out mode, which is what happened at work the day that I had a meltdown. I had a plan for my day. I was teaching an activity with some kids one of my coworkers came in, came in, came in last minute and decided that we needed to change the activity we were doing. And I was like, well, that's just not going to happen. That can't happen because that's not the plan. And my brain literally could not comprehend what they were asking me to do. And I went into like full freak out shutdown mode because my brain was like, we can't do this. We don't know what's going on. Like mm-hmm. it was crazy. Um, So I did go on meds when I first got that diagnosis for OCD because I was like, okay, you know what? Now knowing more about why I am the way I am, let's see if these meds change anything. It was a different medication than what I had tried four years prior. So I was on Zoloft for probably like nine Mm -hmm. months-ish. And it helped for like a minute. I want to say like it really did help me for probably the first three months which I think is kind of typical. I feel like I hear that from a lot of people that it helps at first. And then all of a sudden it creates all these other issues that you then are seeking medication for to fix, Yeah, which is what I don't want to do. Yeah. So, um, I started to notice that though my anxiety was getting better and I could manage my OCD a little more, my depression was getting worse. So my like trigger warning, sorry guys, my like suicidal ideology was like Mm -hmm. 10 times worse on this medication. I, was constantly thinking about suicide. I never like attempted it. I never wanted to die, but it was just like where my brain went. Mm -hmm. And I hated that. I hated that. I was like, I, this was not this bad before. Like, why is it so much worse now? I'm on medication to help this what's happening. So I went to my doctor and I had a very frank conversation with her. I was like, Hey, listen, 
these aren't working for me. I understand that you wanted me to try them. I gave them a good try. I'm not feeling it. And I don't really want you to just suggest another medication because I don't think medication is the right answer for this. I would rather you help me to find some holistic treatment for this. Yeah. Um, so after that conversation with my therapist support, my psychiatrist support, I weaned myself off of the meds and now I just smoke weed every night. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's my meds. I have my medical card. Um, and I don't abuse it like a lot of people do. Yeah. I don't wake up and smoke in the morning. I don't smoke during the day. I literally will only smoke right before bed. And it's just to like help me take the day off. Mm -hmm. My anxiety makes it really hard to sleep sometimes. And it'll keep me up for, you know, long hours just thinking about shit that I don't need to be thinking about anymore. So I'll just like smoke a little before bed and chill out. And I think that that approach to managing my mental health has made me such a happier person. That's I'm awesome. so much more chill now than I was before. <laughs> I love that. I didn't expect you to say that. Yeah. Like, but then I love that. So that I, we're sitting next to like an essential oil diffuser. Mm -hmm. I love this. I put it on like the one I have is like lemongrass. It's good for like relaxing, keeping concentration and like you know, it's such like a like alternative. So mm -hmm. I think you and I are on the same page, but like you were saying, um, like medication is good in different ways for different people. Mm -hmm. Everyone's body chemistry is different. Mm -hmm. So you could, you know, take someone like two people, completely different genetics, give them the same pill. They're going to have different results. Yep. It's different for everyone. So don't, there's not a general medicine for every single person to fix every single thing. Sorry, mm -hmm. but it doesn't work that way no, it really at, at all. That's why they have different kinds of medicine for the same issues. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so how many different kinds of depression medication are there? So many. Oh my God. How many types of birth control? So many, mm -hmm. because everyone's body chemistry is different. Yeah. So obviously there's different ways. So I feel like um, a lot more people in my life like resonate with that whole holistic natural medicine type thing, which I, I personally love. Mm -hmm. I personally really support. But I mean, there's also people who need the medication yeah, because of, like I said, body chemistry. So that comes from my whole like science degree. But you know. <laughs> um, there's one more question I had on here. So, so. I understand, like, your understanding of mental health has changed over the year. Like, you have a better idea of it. But mm -hmm. what would you say, like, um, your best resource was with, like, Ooh. understanding and, like, kind of taking a grasp and, like, your knowledge and being comfortable? Like, was it therapy? Was it books, family, holistic medicine, social media, talking? Like, I'm, like what do you think is the best that you found? So, that's interesting. So, I think... If I'm being honest, which kind of, I mean, it doesn't really help other people. I think my best resource was the fact that I was so determined okay. to figure out what was going on. That's I was part of the OCD too. Which it? exactly is part of the OCD. I was not comfortable with not knowing yeah. what was going on with my body. I needed to feel like I had some level of understanding. So I really, I really worked my ass off to go and seek help and find the resources yeah so I just like I just kind of refused to like not have an understanding I was I didn't want people to be looking at me and telling me what was wrong with me mm -hmm. I I saw that as more of like my job to do that yeah. and then to inform other people um and obviously <laughs> it's important to go to therapy and get help and do all that stuff but I wanted to make sure that one I was comfortable with what I was learning about myself before I could share it with other people mm -hmm. that's a big part of the recovery process for anything um and I think that that is really the most important thing when it comes to trying to manage your mental health is you have to do it for you mm -hmm. you can't do it because you know your boyfriend your best friend your mom your dad grandma grandpa anyone is telling you to you have to do it because you care yeah. um other because you really you get out of it what you put in so if you're putting in like I was you know senior year if you're putting in minimal effort you're not getting shit out of doing it it's honestly just a waste of time and money for everyone so I wanted to make sure that this time around I gave more of a shit about it than anyone else I was talking to. Mm -hmm. um, so that was my my biggest resource was just like my mindset. Yeah, my, my, my mindset, really. It's just like I was so past the point of not of being comfortable with not knowing what was going on with my own body, brain, whatever. 
Um, I just, I refused to settle for yeah. anything less than being comfortable with who I was and figuring it out. And that was a long, very uncomfortable, not fun process. Yeah. You uncover some things about yourself that you really don't fucking like, or, you know, it's, it's tough. It's not fun. There were nights where I would cry myself to sleep and it just, it, it's tough. But all of that got me to where I am now, where I can sit down and have these conversations and be so brutally and openly, like just honest with everyone. And I think it's so you know, to my own horn. I think it's refreshing. Yeah. I feel like not a lot of people do that. But aside from just mindset, which is obviously very important when it comes to stuff like this, therapy is huge. Um, I'm not big on the medication side of things, but I'm big on the talking about side of things. Mm -hmm. So I now am seeing a therapist because of COVID. I was like, yeah, I'm not trying to go into an office. Yeah. I'm not trying to go sit and no, I'm not doing all that. So I took some time on my own and read about some other options for therapy at home and like remote stuff. And I found BetterHelp, mm-hmm. um, which is an app and it's also a website. And I went on there, I filled out like, it took me like 20 minutes, filled out like a questionnaire about my struggles and who I am and what I'm looking for out of the therapy experience. And then it took about 48 hours and they matched me with a therapist that fit, you know, the information I had put in my questionnaire, which I thought was really cool. Because in my past experiences, it was just like, hey, this is the therapist that's currently taking new patients. Hope she works for you. Yeah, and that I, doesn't work. No, like it that. doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because then you get in and you're like, I mean, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's not the worst case. Like mm-hmm. I have a therapist. I have someone I can talk to. But like I needed a very specific kind of therapist. And it wasn't until someone took the time to look at all the shit I had written down about myself that they were like, ah, we have someone for you. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that. Yeah, so I loved that. So now I have an amazing therapist. His name is Jamal. We are best friends in my head. (laughs) Um, And I I know we touched on it a little bit when we were talking for my episode, but I thought it was really important that I found a therapist that would challenge me. Mm -hmm. I don't do well with people doing the it's okay. No. Yeah. You'll be okay. I just, I, it just like pisses me off almost. Cause like, fuck you. It's not going to be okay. And you can't promise me that. So yeah, stop saying that. Yeah. Like, unless you know something that I don't know, don't mm. tell me it's going to be okay. Yeah. Cause they can't tell you that. Yeah. So I, um, I found a therapist that I have a relationship with that we can have real conversations and I can be like honest with him about everything Mm -hmm. and instead of him coming back and being always so you know positive about everything he'll come back and be like okay so this is what I'm hearing and I want to challenge you on that and he'll add another perspective to it and he'll make me think about things a little differently and um I just love that so Mm -hmm. I think mindset and the ability to have open conversations with the appropriate people, Mm -hmm. um, two biggest resources, whether it's a therapist, psychiatrist, mom, dad, sister, aunt, brother, it, you have to get your mindset right first. But then once you have that, having just conversations about it, you take the power back. Mm -hmm. You're like my anxiety for years, my anxiety, my OCD, my depression, like they ran my life. And once I was able to talk about them, they didn't anymore. Yeah. Because I was like, yeah, I'm not afraid of you. I know what you are. I'm so, not scared. So what, have you told your therapist that you do a podcast about this now? Yeah. Oh, my God. He's so supportive. Really? So, what, so I was wondering scared. what his thoughts would be like about sharing like sharing that. Yeah. So when I actually first started just talking on my social media about mental health, I um, would talk to him about what I was going to talk about first. Oh, okay. And he would help me and he mm-hmm. would give me some tips and pointers of like, okay, instead of saying it this way, maybe say it this way. That's cool. And also maybe suggest doing something like this as well. So he's very, very supportive. Oh. Um, it's, it's like, we really do have like the best relationship. Um, and then this past week, I finally told him about the podcast because I had mentioned him on the podcast mm-hmm. that you and I were working on for my show and I wanted to make sure that he was cool with me talking about him. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, it's all good things. I was like, but I do say your name and I do talk about you for a minute on there. And he was so excited. He was like, oh my God, really? Thank you. Like, I'm so flattered. So he was excited about it. Um, and he even said, he was like, you know what, next week, like, I want to, I want to talk about this a little more. I want to hear a little bit more about like the episodes you've been working on. Maybe we can come up like together with some topics and some conversations that you could have future episodes so he is like super supportive that's awesome yeah i love that it's really cool because i really like the idea that i can because i'm i'm not a therapist or Mm -hmm. anything of the sort 
Um, I'm just a human being that likes to talk about shit that no one else does. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's nice that I can kind of lean on him when I need it and have a little more of a clinical perspective on things. Cause I think that that's so really important. So yeah, therapy and open conversation, best resources. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause then when I thought about that, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if like, I guess other people who aren't as like strong, like in, in a good mindset as you are right now, maybe wouldn't be the best people to be talking mm -hmm. to like an audience about yeah. these issues. Um, cause they could, you know, might be detrimental to somebody. Yeah. So I think that's like really important that you actually brought it up. You said, Hey, this is what I'm putting out to the world. Like, is that okay? Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts? And then he was able to like, give you like tips and tricks about how to do it correctly mm -hmm. and like encourage you to keep doing it because mm -hmm. it also, yeah, I think all around that's awesome that you had that conversation with him and then mm -hmm. he supported of it. Um, so as we're kind of wrapping up here, I had uh like two like final questions for you yeah um for someone that like struggles with mental health what would your like what would you just say like something just say to them like what would you say yeah so if you or someone you know is struggling with mental health um one I want to say we've all been there yeah you're not alone I think that's the most important thing is when you first start to struggle with it um, or even if it's years in and you're still just not comfortable with it, you're not the only person. Yeah. I like where I'm at now and who I was six years ago or eight years. Oh my God. However long it was ago that I started to really pay attention to my mental health. I'm, I'm a completely different person, completely different person. So it really is a journey and you really do have to be prepared for mm -hmm. what comes along on that journey. Um, so I understand it's a daunting task. I think the best first step you can make is to start tracking your thoughts um, so like a journal, like a journal. Um, I'm not great with journaling. I kind of like the idea because of my perfectionism, if I'm going to mm -hmm. be honest, because I can't sit down and write in my journal. Cause if I write a letter wrong, I'm throwing the whole page out. So it'll take me an hour and a half to write down four fucking thoughts in a journal. So I found that that doesn't work for me. So I will do like voice memos in my notes, Ooh. which is super easy. Cause it's faster. It's so much faster. And you can just do it in the, in the moment. You just like literally speak into your phone. You're like, Hey, so in this moment, this just happened and I'm not feeling good about it. And this is where my head's at. Shay. I love that. Yeah. Right. So easy. So easy. Literally anyone can do it. I know every single person listening to this right now has a phone in their hand. Yeah. So next time you're in a spot where like, whether you have anxiety, depression, anything, we all go through shit that will affect our mental health. So when you're in those moments of not feeling so great about yourself or your surroundings or what's going on at the time, make a note of it somewhere. So that way you can go back and you can reference it and you can start to track it. Cause that's when you'll start to be able to map it out a little more and have a better idea of what your triggers are, which is so important. And then again, like I said, like the more you are comfortable with it yourself, the more you can feel comfortable talking to other people about it. So it really is just about getting comfortable with it on your own. And I think journaling and writing that stuff down is the first way to do that mm -hmm. because it really does make it so much more real. It makes it concrete. You can go back and look and say, these are real feelings. And I was feeling this. Whereas I feel like a lot of times something I struggled with is I would have an anxiety attack or a panic attack and it would be so visceral and so real in the moment. And I would feel like my world's ending and then it would stop because inevitably they always do. Thank God. Um, but it would end. And then, you know, a day later or whatever, I'm sitting there and I'm like, that was fine. What was I worrying yeah. about? Like you're in a completely different mindset. So yeah. all of a sudden, even your own brain is telling you that you're fine and that it wasn't real and yeah. that you'll be okay. We don't fucking need that always. Like sometimes we need to remind ourselves that shit is not going to be okay all the time. And then that's when I go back and I reference those notes. And I'm like, no, that wasn't a real feeling. And I was valid in feeling that that was a stressful moment. And now I know that that's something that is potentially triggering for me. So in future situations where I'm starting to experience that same, you know, situation or whatever, I can take a step back and go, okay, this could potentially be triggering for me. How am I going to handle it? If it is have an escape plan type of situation, I have crippling social anxiety. I absolutely like, it's just so bad. I put such a good face on though. Not a lot of people know that I have such bad social anxiety, but I have an escape plan for every social situation that I'm in, like every single one. And that probably come from years of work. And well, it comes from years of work. It also is still part of just like my anxiety because I obviously have other things I'd rather do than just run away from it. 
but sometimes when you're when you're in that place and like it's tunnel vision almost like I don't see anyone else around me I don't hear what's going on around me all I all I know is what I'm feeling and it just like it's it's such a terrible experience and you don't always want to be around other people when that's happening um so yeah I think the biggest thing is just start to open up to yourself more that's the best first step is be honest and open with yourself first because your thoughts and feelings are valid are absolutely valid you are feeling them for a reason dig into that yeah figure out why you're feeling start journaling take you know voice memos whatever you need to do um do that first and then after you do that for a couple weeks you're naturally going to want to start talking about it yeah because you have a better idea of what you're talking yeah. about I it's like, like getting up for a class presentation. You feel more confident talking to actually people prepared. when you're yeah. prepared and you yeah. know what the fuck you're talking about. You don't want to get up in front of a class of people and be like, oh, so the cover of the book looks like this. <laughs> like, no, we want to know what's actually going on inside the book. And mm-hmm. in order to do that, you have to pay attention a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, start with that. Start with yourself. Focus. I inward. like that. All right. Last, very last question I have. What advice would you give to somebody that um, has another person in their very immediate life that struggles with uh, like anxiety and like what could that person do for that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's so important because um, even if, if you're listening to this or you know if you're not listening to it, um, whether you struggle <laughs> whether you struggle with mental health or not, there's probably someone in your life who does um, and or who is, and it's important to know how to support them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. I've been in relationships where um, I have tried to confide in my significant other about my mental health and it hasn't been received very well. Mm-hmm. And that makes it 10 times harder. Yes. It really does. Um, when they don't understand. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's what's important. That's why I do this podcast is like what those people can do. Yeah, exactly. So um, Christian is really, really phenomenal with supporting me with my mental health stuff. I, I don't hide anything from him. Mm-hmm even on like, like my bad days, like when I was, you know, going through this stuff with my job before I quit, like my brain, just because of how it's wired, Mm -hmm. my brain saw this huge problem of me being so miserable at my job. And the only solution my brain was giving me was to kill myself. And I was not prepared to do that. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, and for most men, they come home from work and their significant other is like, Hey, my brain's telling me to die they would run the other direction. Like most men would be like, yeah, you're fucking crazy. I'm, I'm done. I'm gone. Um, so he came home and he like sat down with me and he just was like, okay, like let's talk about it because there are other options. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what those other options are. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think again, it really just comes down to having open conversations and trying to have an open mind about it. Cause even if you don't experience these, like emotions or these feelings on your own, if you're not someone who struggles with anxiety or depression quite as much, you don't understand it. Um, and you don't have to understand it, but you need to have an open mind about it. Yeah. Um, you have to be prepared to at least just hear out what the other person is saying. So Christian is really good about like, we have very like specific things that we'll say to each other to point out to the other person that like we're not good in that moment Mm -hmm. and it doesn't always need to be a big like fall down drag out cry session like sometimes while he's at work if I'm like not doing well I will literally just text him and be like I'm having a bad day that's all I have to fucking say and then he comes home from work and before he does anything before he takes a shower before he takes his shoes off he comes upstairs he sits down he's like what happened yeah Oh, that's nice. I know. it's And, like, it's so simple. Like, you think that that wouldn't be something that I would have to tell people to do. But, like, it really does make the biggest difference because I've been, you know, I work from home. I'm alone a lot of the time. So I'm sitting there and I'm feeling so alone in these feelings. And he comes home and he just sits down. And the second I vocalize what happened or what these feelings are or why I'm feeling them, again, that power just kind of dissipates. Mm-hmm. I sit there and I'm like, okay. No, you're right. There are other options and we can figure this out, but he'll also do the, you know, it'll be okay, but also it's okay that it's not okay right now. Like it's okay that you kind of feel like shit right now. It's like, I get it. You're going through a lot. Your job sucks. You're not happy. That's totally fine, but not an option to kill yourself. Sorry. It's just not, we're just not going to do that. So instead we're going to find other options. So he's been really great about you know, his first thing, he was like, if you need to quit your job, quit your job. Like, I will support you. Yeah. I will pay bills for a little bit. Like, it's okay. I would rather you do that mm-hmm. than, like, not be here anymore. 
we're both very lucky because, you know, Brendan said the same yeah. thing to me. He was like, if you're not happy, I don't want you to not be happy. Yeah. Like, we can figure this out. And he was like, I, he, like, I've said this multiple times. One day, he literally just woke up and he was like, she can't do this anymore. Yeah. He was like, he woke me up. I was sleeping. He woke me up. I was, if you need to quit your job, quit your job. I got you. And I'm like, I okay. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> I, and like, like, I mean, I wouldn't be with him for six years if he wasn't great. So exactly. I, yeah. yeah. I So really the biggest thing, um, if you're someone who doesn't totally identify with, the mental, with health, yeah. mental health or mental health struggles, but you have someone in your life that you're very close with that does, be supportive. That's literally all you need to do. Just ask them like what they need from mm-hmm. you. That's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. What be like, what do you need from me? And they will tell you exactly yep. what they want. Yeah. Don't think that you know the answer mm-hmm. without tell without them telling you what the answer is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that person may not always know what they need because Christian will do that sometimes where he's like, What do you need me to do to help you? And I'm like, I don't know. Give me a new brain. Yeah. I don't, like, huh? I don't know. But even just sparking that conversation puts that thought in my brain. And because of who I am as a person, I'm not going to stop thinking about that question until I have an appropriate answer for mm-hmm. it. Um, which again, I don't know if everyone's like that. <laughs> my brain's kind of crazy sometimes, but he'll say something early in the day and I'll think about it for 12 hours and then come back and be like, you know what? This is what I need. And he's like, okay, <laughs> let's do that. I love then. that. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Just be supportive. Yeah. Listen, have open ears and an open heart and just be prepared to handle whatever comes flying at you. Because sometimes mm-hmm. shit will come flying physically, yeah. metaphorically, like all of it. <laughs> and I love that you said, tell them that it's okay that it sucks. Because whenever like I know someone that's gone through like grieving or like a loss of someone, I'm not, just, I'm not like, oh, like they're in a better place. I literally hate that. Like I lost my grandma at like earlier in 2020. It's 2021. So I didn't want to say earlier this year, but I am like, okay, I like don't care where she is right now. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that she's not Not with me. Yeah. Like, so like, like I'll always love to acknowledge like, yeah, that fucking sucks. I'm sorry. Like, like, I'm really sorry. Cause like, so it sucks. All it, sucks. it does, people think that they're being helpful and they're like, it's going to be okay. Everything's the one thing I fucking hate. <laughs> there are people in this world that have it worse than you. Who says that? Just, just in general, the people that are like, look at your struggles. And there are starving kids in Africa. Like things could be worse. Listen, fucking Sharon, I don't care <laughs> that things could be worse. They're bad right now. Is that not enough? Is it not enough for you that shit is not cool for me right now? You want it to be worse for me before I can say something about yeah. it? Yeah, we need to cut that shit. That shit is so toxic. Please, for the love of God, if someone opens up to you about something, don't negate what they're telling you mm-hmm. by saying, oh, things could be worse. Because in my head, they can't be. And you don't know what saying that to someone is going to trigger or make them feel. And it immediately just negates anything that they've told you. And then they feel, you know, they don't feel valid. They feel like what they are feeling isn't normal and that they are crazy for feeling that way. So, yeah, we're, we're losing that shit in 2021. Yeah. So, I'm again, I'm so happy that you're doing the podcast, you know, just bringing light to, like, this situation. Um, so good for you. Keep it up. Thank you. Yeah. Good things will come from it. Trust me. So. Um, I've been doing this for six months. You know, I mean, it was very, it's a very slow process for me. I'm not like promoting it as much as I should, but I enjoy doing it. Yeah. I enjoy doing it. It makes me feel like a better rounded person, like just diving into these experiences people have gone through and mm-hmm. like taking things from them and, you know, kind of putting them into my own daily life. Like, and, you know, so yeah. Thank you for coming on and yeah. like talking about this. I know this can be a very touchy subject with a lot of people, but you're very open, which is yeah. why I love that you came on and said it. I love that everyone who comes on here um, can like have these conversations. So appreciate you and like appreciate yeah. you coming on and talking about it. So. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk, yeah. talk a little bit about this some more. Um, and if anyone listened to this and feels like they have more questions or want to comment or something on anything I said, please feel free to reach out to me. I am literally an open book. I have yeah. zero secrets. So come at me with all the questions. Yeah. I don't care. I'll link her personal Insta and then her podcast Insta down below. And yeah, we're both open books. So if you want to talk to either of us, go for it. But I hope you enjoyed listening. and I'll talk to you next Monday.